We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC McGee Women's. Understanding women's unique health care needs, physicians, nurses, and support staff help you stay healthy. Visit upmc.com slash women. The Pennsylvania Farm Show is the world's largest indoor agricultural exhibition. It showcases the people, products, animals, and crops that go into the state's largest industry. Today's agriculture is much different than in the past. Even the family farm uses technology and science. What hasn't changed is farmers face many challenges, from weather and climate change to waiting on the federal government to enact a farm bill. We sat down with Pennsylvania Secretary of Agriculture Russell Redding at the Farm Show to discuss the state of agriculture in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Secretary of Agriculture Russell Redding, thank you very much for being with us today. Great to see you. Happy New Year. We always speak at the Farm Show and use it kind of as a state of agriculture in Pennsylvania. Broad question, how would you describe the state of agriculture in PA right now? I would say that it, it, it's amazing uh, and remarkably steady, right? Given all the headwinds of the last year between high path AI, the unprovoked war in Ukraine, you've got trade issues, you've had drought concerns. At the end of the year here, where we stand today, beginning, but the end of the harvest year, um, you know, it's really been amazing. Uh, the growth has been there, the crops turned out well, the market's been re- responsive, the public likes what we're doing, right? Love the products and stuff. So. I think it's really remarkable just how resilient it's been. Uh, and I think it puts us in a good place for the, for the start of a, of a new year. I think it's interesting that you talked about the new year. It said the end of the harvest year. Is that how farmers think about this? Yeah. They, they, they would say this farm show is occurring mid-year, <laughs> right? It's, it's between, it's in the, in the calendar, uh, it's between growing seasons. Um, we finished one, we're getting ready for another, but they're in the middle of one. So, What are farmers doing right now in January? Yeah, well, they, they are uh, you know, doing all of those things that you, that you think about in a tractor seed or when you're pruning trees or out in your you know, um, high tunnels growing things. Um, it's about business. This is a business, right? The piece I always say is we think about it in the food. We think about those things that are very tangible. The reality is that this is a business. So planning, equipment, technology, meetings, attorneys, bankers, right? That's all the stock that goes into, and it's just general repairs of, of winter work. What is the good news in agriculture and farming this year? So I think there's there's a couple of things that stand out. One, uh, and I always like to lead with, you know, we, we've only stayed in the nation with a its own state-level farm bill, right? Started under Governor Wolf, continued it with Governor Shapiro, uh, I think it puts us in a really important space. Two, we have 44 inches of natural rain, right? Put that on, on the asset list. I think we've got the ports that are now open to uh, in Pennsylvania, only state with three ports, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Erie, links us to the 95% of the available stomachs that aren't in the United States of America. Uh, and we have more young farmers under the age of 35 than any other state in the nation. 
So when I start looking at the strengths, the assets, the hope, uh, they are the things that I point to to say, listen, we'll, we'll confront the challenges, whatever they are, but you're in a really good spot uh, to take that on. So they're, they're the good news. But now let's turn to the bad news. Is there bad news for farmers in Pennsylvania? I think the bad news, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's a depends what, what commodity you're in. Listen, if you're in the poultry industry and given what we've just experienced with the high path avid influenza, uh, that's a threat. That remains a threat. Everybody's complaining about it was a warm December. Well, the birds are just as confused as we are, right? They're not migrating. They're slower about it. That's how we, we got, you know, the, the last infection here right before Christmas. Uh, that's a challenge for us. And what we thought was going to, you know, play out over the course of a year and a half or so around the world with high path AI, what has it done? This, this virus and this strain has recombinated, uh, and it's still as strong as it was a year and a half ago. So that's a problem. Uh, we've got seven, um, uh, seven billion dollar poultry industry in the state with a lot of. So that's a concern. I think the climate to me is a threat uh, in that um, it, we, we are conditioned to grow certain crops, certain ways, certain types, certain seasons, all of that. And then all of a sudden you find yourself with these um, uh, climate extremes that make it really difficult for, for our producers. It's both a threat and an opportunity. Because I often believe in that the only way you're gonna solve the climate issues is to do the good things and the good practices that you've been doing, but you've gotta sort of amplify that. Uh, uh, and then the, the threat uh, is on the workforce side. Uh, to our, our point earlier, uh, folks have a general generalized view of what is agriculture and what those jobs are. The reality is that they're, they're full of technology, right? They're all of those, skills and, and competencies that you need in other businesses. You need them in agriculture as well. Tremendous opportunity there. Uh, unfortunately, um, a, lot of, a lot of folks think about our workforce as an immigrant workforce. We have some, and immigration reform is a piece of that. So I put that workforce issue just because you've got to be looking every day for you know the next uh, you know employee. So you've got to hold on to who you have, right? Uh, attract some new ones in and inspire others. Let's talk about farm bills, not Pennsylvania's farm bill as much as the federal farm bill. It was due for renewal last year. It was just renewed for a year. First of all, why is that important to Pennsylvania farmers? What's in it that benefits Pennsylvania farmers that they really need? And how, is import how important is it for a farm bill to be passed in Washington? Well, it's critical. I mean, I, I think uh, we're, we're Pleased to have uh, the chairman of the House Ag Committee, uh, Congressman G.T. Thompson, only uh, uh, two times in our history have we had a Pennsylvanian uh, who has chaired that committee. So I, that, I think, is important. The importance of the bill itself, it, it has uh, the, the following pieces. It has uh, broadband. Uh, it has all of the commodity programs as we think about them today. Uh, it has all the food nutrition. Uh, our farmland preservation and conservation works and the things we do in, the, in, in Chesapeake Bay as part of that. It has um, all the risk management, uh, foreign trade. So you cannot uh, talk about ag in any way, any size, anywhere in Pennsylvania without bumping right into this uh, federal farm bill. Uh, it's important because it touches things. It's built that way intentionally but it also then magnifies the importance of getting a good farm bill for Pennsylvania, right? 
we've got to open the markets. You've got to deal with the, the Chesapeake Bay concerns and conservation, you, you, these animal health issues like high path AI. Truth be told, the majority of the funding that has come to support both conservation and animal health through high path AI in that case, uh, has come from the federal government. That's all tucked inside the farm bill. So I say to every single farmer, you're impacted whether you want to be or know it or not, right? And every consumer, you've got a stake in this thing. It's the largest single supporter of federal nutrition program is the federal farm. Do you have any insight as to what the timeline is? I don't have any uh, direct insight. I, I mean, we had a lot of conversations with Congressman Thompson. I mean, I think obviously he's disappointed it didn't get done in, in uh, 23. He's got a one-year extension. What he has said immediately was, well, let's not wait till the end of the year, right, of 24 to get that done. So I've seen everything from this spring being being a, a, a potential to late fall. Uh, personally, uh, it becomes more and more difficult in presidential election year to have that farm bill out there uh, in such an exposed way. So my hope is that we can get that done spring, summertime frame versus fall. How much uncertainty does that create for Pennsylvania farmers? The uncertainty, we saw, uh, we saw it actually up here uh, in the uncertainty at the end of the year and most dramatically inside of the dairy markets. And there's a program inside uh, the Farm Bill under the risk management title uh, for dairy. And uh, very volatile markets at the moment on dairy very concerned about what's happening foreign uh, trade and, and exports dropping because of what's happening in the Middle East and other parts of the world, uh, is that the risk management opportunity there to hedge some of that risk uh, was potentially uh, at risk, right? So immediately, I think the, the farm, dairy farm community uh, recognized that and was pleased to see the extension. So there's a lot at risk to PA farmers. Uh, I think about, you know, the, the colony collapse disorder and the honeybees, right? You think about the spot lantern fly funding, things that we have talked about here with you and around the state uh, have their roots uh, in, in, the, in the federal farm bill. The Center for Rural Pennsylvania and the U.S. Census Bureau recently released a report saying, well, it's an estimate, predictions that Pennsylvania's rural counties will be losing population. I mean, that's nothing new, but they expect it to continue. Urban areas growing in population, rural areas losing population. What does that mean for Pennsylvania farmers, if anything? Well, I think it's, it, it means a lot in the sense of, um, you know, who is out there, right? And both in terms of neighbors, what it means in terms of potential workforce. Um, it also means who owns land and resources that may be important to uh, that farm and farm community. You know, half of the farmland in Pennsylvania that's farmed is not owned by the person who's, uh, right, who's owned it. It's, it's rented land. So those characteristics could change. Um, and I think it, uh, you know, we, we lose something in both the diversity and the culture uh, when you lose populations in rural areas. And I think that's been a particular concern to us as we, we listen carefully as well with the Center for Rural PA is that we've got to help the, those communities, you know, think about their place. And I look at what the PA Wiles have done up in the north. I think it's a great example where there's a community concern, industry, government, people coming together to solve that issue to take advantage of what their assets uh, were and are. Uh, but that can't be just one region. So I think that's a great example for us and foretold uh, what those uh, uh, you know, 
approaches need to be, but also what the potential is when, when you can bring folks together. Secretary Redding, you mentioned climate change earlier. Saw a poll just a few months ago that a majority of Pennsylvania farmers are saying that they're already seeing signs of climate change. You also talked about the birds are confused as well. There are several issues here. Yeah. Well, farming obviously is impacted by the weather as much as any other industry in, in, in the state. That's one thing. But the birds being confused, those migratory birds, Pennsylvania's right on the path. It would seem that avian influenza would continue to be a problem from here on out and that the climate would have an impact on it. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think the, uh, to, to your point about ag, uh, nobody has a more intimate relationship with the climate than farmer. Right? It, it, you're, it, it's going to dictate where you grow, what you grow, how you're growing, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, trying to dismiss that as a concern to I've said to the farming community, we are there as part and parcel to what we do. How do you manage that? How do you mitigate that? Um, but th these are the worries, right? So you've got sort of varietal decisions, you've got crop decisions, you've got impacts on whether it's drier or wetter. Uh, you've got uh, birds who are confused and, and, and you know, flying uh, the, the Atlantic flyway later than normal, maybe earlier than normal, right? So all of that is a threat, uh, as one threat uh, inside of, uh, of climate. Mm. What have you heard from farmers in Pennsylvania about climate? So it, it, it varies, right? So uh, unfortunately, it's been a, a, a word that has been politicized a bit like immigration. Unfortunately, right. right? Unfortunately, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, uh, you have to have an intelligent conversation about the impacts of climate and what the implications are for your business. And then what does that mean to the state's economy from, you know, at multiple levels, but particularly in food and agriculture? Uh, so you have to have that in, engagement. The, the, but it's the extreme, you know, the full spectrum from, um, we're not sure this is a problem to, what are you going to do about it, right? We know, we see it, we, we, we we're trying to address. So I'd say generally um, the uh, folks are, are engaged around it. Uh, I've had this really interesting uh, conversation with the Amish community around climate, and uh, they, they, they were trying to understand like climate change. And I said, well, think about it uh, as we've done with nutrient management, right? That, that there are best practices you put in place and you try to manage that practice to give you an end result of cleaner water or, or stuff. And, and there's like this, this light went on, right? That it wasn't about climate or change, it was a practice. And it was sort of instructive for me just to sort of think about it, that people don't think about climate and change and how do you mitigate that or address it. You have to put it in terms that they're familiar with, right? And that was a helpful thing for me. Uh, so we keep doing, my point is we keep doing what we've been doing with uh, cover crops, all those good practices for the Chesapeake Bay, uh, you know, preserving our land, management and stewardship of, of, of the forest and forest land. They're the practices. So I, I've sensed over the years of my work in the department on this issue that folks are warming to it, no pun intended, right? But I think they're warming to the result and the impacts and then what we do about it. That conversation with Amish farmers. Yes. Were they up to date on climate change? I mean, they don't follow technology. They don't watch television news, listen to radio or anything like that. What was that conversation like? Some of the best informed people I've met. Really? Yeah. I, I, That's uh, great. I marvel, right? So, again, they're using different terms than I'm using. 
but they understand what those words translate to in their culture, right? And what they need to do is, uh, in this case, it was some of the bishops, uh, what they <laughs> needed to do to help their uh, community sort of respond uh, to, to it. And I, I think the, the takeaway for me was, you know, we, we can get caught up in, in the words. At the end of the day, it's a practice, right? And, and how do we reassure folks we're doing the right things with the right practices that give you the same result without getting the front-loaded um, you know, concern about what those words mean or what you're asking to do. All right, so let's talk about migration. Uh, as you said, unfortunately, has become a political issue. This is another issue that is so important for farmers. You know, many people think about the border states, and that's where most of the attention goes, where the immigrants are coming across the southern border. But here in Pennsylvania, there are farmers that count on seasonal workers immigrants all the time. So maybe explain how important immigration is to Pennsylvania farmers and what happens if we don't come up with some kind of solution? Yeah, so it, it's, you know, it's all inside the workforce conversation, right? right. And uh, every time we talk about the immigration, you know, it's in the context of, you know, there are a lot of things that we're trying to do to address the workforce needs, right? In some cases you can you can, you know, um, raise the awareness and get a, a career pathway and you can work with the career centers through the Department of Labor and Industry. You can try to recruit, uh, but you have to do all of that. Plus, uh, find a way to bring in those special skills and competencies that uh, are, are needed, but they're not available to you through the other channels. Uh, because everybody who employs immigrant labor has to also advertise for purposes of finding domestic labor. So I don't think folks understand that. Right? I just can't say I'm going to ignore the domestic and go look. You've got to do them both. Uh, so critically important to us, uh, making sure that we've got the right policies around uh, the immigrant uh, labor. We have a lot of uh, growers, I'll call them fruit growers, vegetable growers that are seasonal and have that need. Uh, but we also have you know, full-time industries like mushrooms and dairy that can't access the same labor sources because they're considered full-time. That is a concern to us. But you also have to make sure that we're you know, paying uh, fairly, finding housing for them, uh, all of those conditional issues of a good, uh, you know, a good employer and employee. But that's increasingly a challenge to find folks who want to work inside food, food processing, food production. So you need them, and we need a good policy to reflect that. We haven't had a good policy, though, no. ever maybe. So first of all, are you optimistic for any reason that we will finally have a solution. It has been so politicized about the number of people coming over the border, where they're going, uh, their backgrounds, that kind of thing. But this is a, a problem that the federal government has been dealing with for years or maybe not dealing with. So is there any reason for optimism? And Pennsylvania farmers have to be concerned about this. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, there are a lot of folks in Pennsylvania who are concerned about. I mean, ag is one of those. I mean, I think in the food processing, construction, make your list. I think that's the other piece around the conversation we have to have is the transparency about who is actually here and what are they doing and who are they doing it for, right? I think that's one of those pieces that, that we've missed. Are there but, undocumented workers on yeah, Pennsylvania they're, they're, farmers? They're around. I mean, I, we, we have tried uh, repeatedly to figure that out. Uh, the, the statistics, national statistics say uh, there are. There aren't as many as there used to be because of the H-2A, which is a uh, temporary program, but there are. 
uh, but we have a lot more of those H2A uh, workers uh, in, in PA. To answer your question, uh, I always believe that you know, the problem will drive a solution. You're going to have to deal with this, right? And I think inside this conversation, there are really good components where if you wanted to extend uh, the H-2A, which is a temporary visa for uh, agricultural workers and an H-2B, the programs work well, right? Of all kinds of conditions, they work really, really well, but it's coupled to this other dysfunctional system. Mm -hmm. And that's where if you talk to the foreign community, they would say, you know, try to step away you know, from that and do some things. So I think the answer is going to be more in a component uh, approach versus a whole package approach. We only have a minute or so left. I want to thank you very much for being with us today. Looking ahead to 2024, that's one of the things that we do here at the Pennsylvania Farm yeah. Show. What can we expect in agriculture in 2024? Yeah, you're going to continue to see um, you know, more you know, direct market uh, markets on farms and connections to consumers. It's, this year's theme of connecting our communities, I think, sort of brings to life. You're going to see more organic production in Pennsylvania. There's going to be more livestock production in Pennsylvania, more investments in uh, food processing. Uh, we're going to see um, a lot more focus on workforce development at, because of, of investments the governor's made, the legislature around career tech ed. Uh, you're going to see more farmland preserved. Uh, and we're going to keep working um, you know, to build that relationship with between the farm community and, and, and the, the consumers, but also the public at large. Pennsylvania Secretary of Agriculture, Russell Redding, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. Always a pleasure.